2: They get excited for coming out to Vegas and drafting their teams as much as they get excited for, you know, opening presents on Christmas Day. I mean, a lot of guys will tell you that that is their Christmas Day is drafting their teams.
3: You are listening to Fantasyland. The podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. I'm your host, Peter Roverset, and in this episode, producer Pat Corain and I are going to give you a first-hand account of our baptism by fire in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. In September, Pat and I met in Las Vegas to draft a high-stakes fantasy team alongside 800 other degenerates. And we're going to tell you all about our season as high-stakes virgins, but it all begins at the Westgate Casino. The Westgate has to be almost like a mecca for people who don't mind gambling a little on sports. They have a monstrous sports book and they do that contest you might have heard about from Bill Simmons, the Super Contest. Well, this year, the Westgate was also the home to the Fantasy Football Players Championship draft. So Pat and I spent four days of our lives there, surviving on little more than Bud Lights and Sportsbook Hot Dogs, while we dreamed of taking down the $250,000 FFPC Grand Prize. The array of drafters who come out to Vegas for FFPC is impressive, and everyone approaches it in a different way. Some are all business, maintaining a laser focus on their draft. Others treat it like a total party. And throughout this episode, we are going to hear from drafters on both ends of the spectrum. Remy Rhodes from Fort Worth, Texas, told us for him, it's all about finding a happy medium.
4: You have to enjoy yourself. Yeah. But I don't want to be... Hung over tomorrow and yeah. take Giovanni Benoit first overall. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the
3: FFPC even brings out people you'd never expect to see drafting a team inside a Las Vegas casino.
5: My name is Sandra Dusik. I turned thirteen in July and I'm from Virginia.
3: Your dad was saying last year that you became a little mini celebrity around here.
5: Yeah. You that's like true. That? sort of
3: or you'd kind of just like to fade into the in the shadows and make your picks yeah i like
5: that yeah being like not forgotten but like not being the center of attention
3: yeah you're obviously the youngest guy here and i'm sure people have asked you that what what's that like do you get some funny looks for like
5: wait is this guy actually drafting a lot yeah i got a lot last year
3: do you think people underestimate you
5: yeah probably
3: Do, do you think you can use that to your advantage
5: A little bit, yeah. They're probably like, is this kid actually good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good.
3: Sandra is clearly not your average 13-year-old. Just listen to how excited he gets for FFPC draft weekend. Rank these holidays for me. Christmas, FFPC draft weekend, and your birthday.
5: i go in the order you just said. I mean, Christmas, this, and then my birthday.
3: So the draft weekend trumps your birthday. Yeah. I asked Sandra what else he liked about coming out to Vegas, aside from the chance to win a bunch of money playing fantasy.
5: Probably I just get to be with my dad a lot and skip school.
3: <laughs> I'm glad he at least led with be with my dad. I,
0: I was hoping that I'd make the cut somewhere there.
3: But back to the money. What did Sandra plan to do with his share of the cash if they won the main event?
5: I don't know, maybe... A new PS4. Okay, yeah, that's
3: very reasonable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Very reasonable for you. I think you might have some left over after you buy the PS4. Yeah. As for me and Pat, we had been talking about our team for months online before Vegas. But this was our first time ever meeting in person, and we still had lots to hammer out before our draft. So after we landed on Wednesday evening, we did the very un-Vegas thing of holding ourselves up in our hotel room and discussing our draft strategy until the wee hours of the morning. So Pat and I got to the hotel a little bit ago. We uh, just met for the first time in person. Yeah. Got some tall boys. Pete's got a Tecate. Tecate. Pat's going a little more highbrow.
4: Green flash, double IPA.
3: Yeah, and we're going to, you know, we've we've talked a lot about our draft strategy, but what do we basically just decide if Jamal Charles is there in, in the, the fourth? fourth? We're not going to pass that up. Right. But we're, it's still a pretty easy pass in the third,
4: right? That's like our, we're throwing a bone to Matt Friedman, who tried to, to convince us to take a running back in the second round. Right. We've agreed to take one in the fourth if it's Jamal Charles. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) You're welcome, Matt.
3: Our draft wasn't until Friday afternoon, so we still had some time to prepare, but the FFPC events kicked off on Thursday with the first few drafts in a viewing party for the NFL opener between the Broncos and Panthers. And immediately following the game was perhaps the most unique draft that would happen all weekend, and it's called the Bare Knuckles Challenge. I'll let high-stakes veteran Ira Berman explain
6: bare knuckles is 28 rounds oh, where instead of a minute and a half you get 30 seconds between the picks you do not have or not any paperwork any phones any internet anything else you have to do it from your total memory and total mind and if you uh pick somebody that has already been picked or you are unable to make that pick in 30 seconds you get passed
3: a bunch of people gathered around to watch the bare knuckles draft picture a few tables horseshoe around a big draft board and then 12 of the most hardcore drafters of the entire weekend. I mean, these are the true degenerates, the people who can rattle off every single kicker in the NFL or every backup running back, you name it. You have to be a little cocky to do a draft like this, so it was no surprise that the trash talk was flying once the draft was underway. At one point, one of the drafters tried to leave to go to the bathroom, which we learned is against the rules, and he was mercilessly heckled for it. Each of the bare-knuckle drafters pony up $750 to play, but Berman told us he and two other owners put even more on the line.
6: The side action was is more than money. It's called a Borat costume, and it's a little bit of a strap, and there's nothing else that goes on that costume but the straps itself. And we have a little uh, poker game that we play every Thursday or Friday at one of the local establishments, and the loser of the three of us will be wearing that costume for the five-hour time frame in a public place, and it's not going to be pretty.
3: After the bare-knuckle draft, we called it an early night once again, and with less than 12 hours before our draft, the fact that we were playing for $250,000 had just about fully set in. When we're playing with $1,800 entry fee and 250000 on the line, you can't just shrug your shoulders and be like, oh, it's just part of my portfolio. Like, this is the portfolio, <laughs> you know? <laughs> The point is, is that both of us are playing in one league the amount that we would be playing combined in a year across like 20 leagues. Right. And with way more, I mean, what, the most we've ever been able to win in a league is probably like close to a thousand, right?
4: Right. I think if we were to finish like top in the league in points, standings, and then win the playoffs, I think we'd win 7,000.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the big prize, the 250. That would be, uh, that'd be sick. One of the big questions Pat and I had on our mind for the months leading up to the draft was how the hell do we go about preparing for this thing to make sure we don't screw it up? We knew there'd be a learning curve, and we kind of wanted to short-circuit it as much as possible. When we talked to Blake Pyle, who in 2015 won the Football Guys Championship, which is the FFPC's other flagship contest along with the main event. He told us one of his favorite tricks is keeping an eye on what other experts are doing.
1: Before the draft, study as much as you can on you know what other high stakes players are doing. Where are they picking players? Go back and look at your evaluation and you know how come they pick somebody a lot earlier than you would have picked them. You know, you do a lot of leagues with some local friends and whatnot, they're not gonna see what these experts see.
3: And that's exactly one of the very first things we did back in August when we got our friend Sean Siegel on the phone, who you might remember from our Zero RB episode. Sean is one of the sharpest fantasy minds around and a veteran high-stakes player, and we weren't going to go into our draft without picking his brain first.
4: Curious, uh, if you don't mind sharing, who you think you'll end up owning more shares of than anyone else at wide receiver. I think it's going to be Diggs. I'm not sure what the best way to do it is if you were going to play like 100 leagues, or you're going to play 100 leagues for 10 years, you know, how much diversification you would do versus you know, just taking your best guys. But it's so hard after you've sold yourself on someone to then stay even remotely rational about it. So I, I find myself getting carried away with really wanting certain people in, in just about every league, but I think I'm going to own digs basically everywhere, you know where he's going if he's going at wide receiver 40. I mean, I just think that's absurd. You know, I would have him at wide receiver 20. So even if you end up
0: reaching, that's still a good value.
3: If you're not familiar, the FFPC main event has unique settings. There are two flex spots, meaning there's lots of different ways to build your team. There's also a premium for tight end scoring, 1.5 points per reception, as opposed to just the one point for wide receivers and running backs. And then there are also super deep benches. What this means is that it's hard to use regular average draft position To prepare for an ffpc draft and properly gauge where guys are going to go we talked to mark davidson and austin roberts two co-owners from denver colorado and they gave us a great piece of advice for preparing for the ffpc's unique settings
1: you know we have a draft we mock um a draft here and the guys that come to vegas we are all in a league with the same scoring so we did that last thursday at a a guy's house so we kind of mock and then we talk and go over the draft say hey this guy we think went a little high this guy went low you know what are we looking at and how it works
3: that's such a good idea to do the exact settings uh man i wish we would have thought about that (laughs) by the time vegas rolled around pat and i agreed on a handful of things first we knew we were going to wait to draft running backs second we knew we were going to hammer wide receivers early and third we really knew we were going to wait to draft a QB.
4: Let me ask you this. Who is the worst quarterback that we could end up with as our starter dude. Uh, before you're just like <laughs> shitting yourself?
3: Yeah, dude. I don't RG, – RG3. I, I mean, I – like, dude, <laughs> dude, I'll ride the Trevor Simeon train. This was our first time ever doing a live draft, much less one in Vegas. So it was a pretty incredible experience to make our way through the gigantic ballroom and find the seats at our draft. We got settled in and made sure all of our cheat sheets were in order. Let's just get a chat window going. Oh, I think my internet cut out. Oh, where are
4: the paper sheets? We should have those too. I think they're in the... the, I'll uh, go grab them. Oh man, <laughs> I am literally nervous. Not forget, this awesome. Did you see when you got up? I immediately not
3: accidentally knocked over my water glass. Um, and I everyone, didn't. These guys are all looking at me like, oh well, off to a start.
4: The computer crashes. Yeah, I wish I could up here. And it's now one thirty. I can to make it.
3: As the pick snaked back and forth, Pat and I would quietly confer before each pick. I mean, we couldn't let our neighbors know what we were gonna do. And we'd silently fist pump when our targets made it to us or, you know, put our heads down if our target got taken. And then we'd make our selections. Wide receiver, Allen Robinson. Wide receiver, Amari Cooper.
4: Wide receiver, Sammy Watkins.
3: Tight end, Delaney Walker.
4: Wide receiver, Jordan Matthews. Running back, Arian Foster.
3: Running back, Jeremy Hill. Tight end, Eric Ebron.
4: Wide receiver, Stephon Diggs.
3: Running back, Chris
4: Ivory. Wide receiver, Tory Smith.
3: Wide receiver, Devin Funches. I was
4: high <laughs> on We like buying on recency bias, right, Renan Miller? Wide receiver, Brashad Perriman. Running back Sean Drone, tight end Crockett Gilmore, quarterback Tyrod Taylor. I
3: know this team is so fucking <laughs> running back Tyler Irvin, quarterback Robert Griffin III. Now I'm
4: the, second. Second. the third. Now, second, I got to honor the family name.
3: Defense, Cincinnati Bengals,
4: kicker Will Lutz.
3: After we wrapped up the draft, we were feeling pretty good.
4: Okay. And I just finished her draft.
3: Yeah, dude, we did it. It was—I don't say, would say we weren't flustered at all, but like it was like mildly nerve-wracking. Like there was, as I was just saying, like I wasn't cracking jokes, which is normally my default thing, until like round 17 or 18. Yeah. Like once we had gotten our final, like really penciled Your in target, pick. yeah. Then I then I could kind of like cut loose and let my hair yeah. down. But before that, like I there was nothing I could joke about. Like I was just like we were locked in, and it was intense. It was. There was no gift wraps. Yeah, There was no presence under the tree of just like, holy shit, this guy is here. That didn't happen. Yeah. But I also didn't feel like we were having to reach it. It didn't feel like incredible, but it felt like, okay, we're doing this right. We're staying on script. As you could tell from some of those picks, Pat and I did end up sticking to our pre-draft plans. We drafted only wide receivers and a tight end with our first five picks. We waited until round 16 to take our first QB. And we only took three running backs in the first 12 rounds, Jeremy Hill, Arian Foster, and Chris Ivory. I probably don't need to say spoiler alert before telling you that didn't work out. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to more of the drafters we met out in Vegas and hear about the early days of high-stakes fantasy football. This episode is brought to you by Rotoviz. Hi, my name is John Solis, and before Rotoviz, I was a fantasy loser. I had been playing for six years and I had never won anything. In fact, I came in last place with such frequency that my home league commissioner permanently changed my team name to the Washington Generals. So you can imagine I was pretty happy to find Rotoviz. So there's millions of fantasy sites out there, John. What was it that attracted you to Rotoviz? There were two big things that stood out for me. The first was the metrics-based analysis, but the second, an even bigger thing, were the contrarian viewpoints. I'd never read anything like it at that time. So you become a subscriber to Rotoviz. Did things then turn around for you in your leagues? It did. I finally started winning... And while I don't win every time, I win with enough frequency now that I don't lose money playing fantasy football anymore. To gain access to all of the metrics-based content and contrarian opinions John is talking about, simply visit rotobiz.com slash podcast, where you can get a listeners-only 30% discount on a season-long NFL pass. So how did we get to a place in time where hundreds of people from all over are willing to fly to Vegas and put up large amounts of money to draft fantasy teams? Well, to trace the FFPC back to its origins, you have to go way back to the mid-2000s when there was another show in town, the World Championship of Fantasy Football, also known as the WCOF. Blake Pyle told us about what the high-stakes fantasy football scene was like when he first started.
1: Back in those days, there was one main event. So you had 900 teams drafting in one room with 1,600 guys. You know, the ballroom was huge. They didn't have what they have today, where you have all these online drafts and all these opportunities. It was just one live main event. And then they expanded and went to multiple cities and, and multiple different leagues. But, you know, the FFPC has taken it to a different level.
3: A few years later, though, the w would face legal issues after stiffing its customers out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Eric Balkman, who works for the FFPC and is also the co-host of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, told us how the FFPC emerged from this unfortunate situation.
2: Some people were nervous about the World Championship of Fantasy Football and being paid on time and, or, you know, being paid at all. And I think that there is a lot of players in, in the w and both Dave and Alex played in the w that were questioning this and getting nervous and not getting the answers that they wanted. So Dave, Alex, and another player, Train Tranquilli, came up with the idea for the Fantasy Football Players Championship, a high-stakes contest that was run by players. All the prize funds were put in attorney escrow and held safe till the end of the season. And, you know, the first year, I think there was 180 teams playing in the main event, 2009, a few more, and then 2010 was sort of when the writing was on the wall with the w and a lot of people were done with worrying about whether they get paid or not. And the FFPC really took off in 2010 and that I think has steadily grown
3: Ira Berman was one of those Coff players who experienced the downfall firsthand and was looking for a new place to play.
6: Unfortunately, the debacle at the end at Wyckoff left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and left about $17,500 sitting in a bankruptcy account. Uh, ultimately, from my standpoint, because I finished uh, fourth in the last year in the main, as well as other monies that were still owed to me that I never got out. Some people got their monies out and some people didn't, and I was one of the less fortunate ones.
3: Alex Kaganovsky is one of the co-founders of the FFPC along with Dave Gerzak, and he hoped the FFPC could fill that void.
6: You know, we obviously were there to scoop up all those customers, and it wasn't really scooping up because we knew a lot of these guys, and we didn't want them to get hurt. We didn't want them to not be paid. And what we did is we actually gave them a chance to continue coming to Vegas, to continue experiencing the thing that they love so much, because that's what these guys want to do. They just want to come to Vegas and draft their teams. They don't want to have to deal with not getting paid and all this other nonsense that was going on. So so we were happy to provide them a place to kind of continue their, their hobby.
3: To get things off on the right foot Alex told us the FFPC immediately put the seventy-five thousand grand prize for that first year into escrow, and they've been doing the same thing every year since. Pyle said the FFPC earned the trust of the players right out of the gate.
1: I think it starts at the top with you know Alex and Chris and Dave and Eric, you know, the, the team that was there. I mean, we knew them from the WSOFF, so there's a lot of confidence in the right people. And I've just kind of found a home here. And once I hit the ground running, I haven't looked back.
3: People come from all over to do the main event in the FFPC drafts. And with so much money on the line, it's no surprise that most of the people we talked to over the weekend take their drafts very seriously. Lance Turbis, however, who goes by the name online Sports Betting Man, isn't your typical FFPC drafter. When we talked to Balky before coming out, he said, you guys have to talk to Lance. He didn't disappoint. You've been coming here a while, I assume. Do you have any uh, good friends over the years, rivalries, any, anything like that? I'd like
7: to make more rivalries. I think that'd be good for the game. I said, I told my buddies, I say, if I win this whole thing, I'm gonna be the fucking worst winner ever. I'll be like cocky and just rub it in and just make it fucking like, make an enemy out of myself just for fun.
3: We quickly learned that Lance has no problem drafting under the influence. So we were told that you were going to promise that for this interview you would be both drunk and baked. Are you, are you delivering on that? <laughs> Definitely the baked part. And what are you drinking right now? Yeah, it's just Craig's and cranberry. But not one, but two of them? It
7: was three, but yeah, we're down. <laughs>
3: one down. We asked him how he planned to approach his draft, and he told us it was much less about value and way more about just getting the guys he wanted.
7: Uh, I looked at like the, all the draft boards from just that people are putting on twitter i mean i've been prepping the whole time mentally but i just started looking across okay quarterbacks and i go through and any quarterback kind of got me like a tingle you know like like it's like i put them in gold at the top of my list even you know i just bypass a bunch of them that didn't and i just kind of tried to get all those gold players just so i had a whole team pool of players that like you like. Give me the warm fuzzies, yeah. It's like yeah. these guys could pop this year, you
3: know. I feel like you should patent your draft strategy, the warm and fuzzy draft <laughs> yeah. strategy.
5: It's
3: yeah. like just say all the names and what you feel inside. That yeah. that'll guide you. Yeah, just don't even don't even
7: bother to force yourself to draft the ones that are like, ooh.
3: Lance did give us a word of caution about getting over your head with too many leagues. You
7: know, I think it took four hours just to do waiver wire. I was like, oh, this is going to be every week. It's going to be brutal, but. That's my fault.
3: <laughs> is like the uh, the old like that. your eyes are bigger than your stomach with the drafts yeah. and then you get to the waiver wire and you're like,
7: oh boy. Yeah, it's like it's so fun to draft and then now you got to actually work. It's like yeah. shit. I give credit to the guys who run lots of teams because that's time. But I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> pop a modafidil, have some coffee, and just roll for like five hours and get
3: it all done. That's got to be the way. We met a lot of great people over the course of our weekend in Vegas. But no one made us laugh more than a father-son team from Lubbock, Texas, Mark Ray and Matt Jarrett.
8: And I'm used to this, because yeah, you uh, said you
3: do a play-by-play.
8: <laughs> Matter of he's, fact, he's uh, the Al Michaels of the. Radio. I'm the Al Michaels of the Lamisa Golden Tornadoes. Uh, we've won one game in the last five years
9: the worst high school football team it's in the, the history worst of Texas anything. high school
8: football program like maybe this ever existed so, so coach james i'm sorry i'm sorry coach james but y'all y'all suck before their draft mark gave
3: us a bold prediction about dallas running back ezekiel elliott which he assured
8: us didn't mean he was a homer i don't make homer picks just because i'm a <laughs> cowboys fan I don't. I don't make homer picks.
9: He doesn't mix business with pleasure. No, he I doesn't. don't.
8: I don't make homer picks. I think Zeke Elliott going into next year will be the first pick in the draft. Look what Darren McFadden did last year. Yeah. Darren's not too much faster than I am. Yeah. That's not a compliment. And I don't care if I was a... Can you bust off with an F-bomb on the same? Whatever do. you want, man. I don't care if you're a fucking Redskins fan. <laughs> um, Zeke Zeke's the real deal.
9: parents put your kids to bed about this time
3: (laughs) they swung back to chat with us after their draft and we learned they stayed true to their convictions taking ezekiel elliott with their first pick we quickly discovered though that after that they had perhaps the most unconventional draft of anyone in the entire main event i mean they took two qbs in the first eight rounds whereas most teams don't even take one before round 10. They took two defenses in the 12th and 13th, when most don't take one until the last round or two. And to top it all off, they basically ignored the tight end position, despite tight ends getting an additional half point per reception. So you guys drafted your first tight end in the
8: 14th round, and there were already 20, there were 20, we took the break at the end of the 13th round, and there were 25 tight ends taken.
3: So you just liked your ability to just get the tight ends much cheaper? Because I would guess you guys probably, of every single team in this entire draft, probably took tight
8: end the latest, of anyone would be my
9: guess. Oh, yeah. Probably. Have to be. Um, if
8: We probably Barry, set an FFPC record for taking tight end latest in yeah,
9: if, FFPC if history. If Matthew Berry and uh, Maurice Jones-Drew walked in here right now, they'd probably oh, give okay. us the worst draft grade on tight ends. <laughs>
3: The more we talked to Matt and Mark, it was clear tight end was never a priority.
9: Uh, Who is Bunter or Hunter Henry? Who the fuck is that? San
8: Diego, he was the first tight end drafted this year. He was in the second or third round. He was in the second round. He's like
9: a 55 overall rating on Madden, so he must suck. (laughs) And I will whoop that ass in Madden if anybody
8: wants to play Okay.
3: A funny thing happened as we were talking to Matt and Mark about the rest of their draft. At one point, they started bagging on another owner in their league.
8: His top two backs are Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Charles. Who that's Team Eleven, be which
9: is the team I think's the worst. So that
8: leaves him with Jeremy Hill, uh, Puke Johnson, Justin Forsett, Kenneth Dixon.
9: Yeah, Kenneth Little Dixon is CJ on the
8: team. CJ Procise. Those are his running backs.
3: And then we started to put all these pieces together.
9: He could have gotten Derek Carr where he took Kenneth Dixon. I don't know. I guess maybe he messed up. Maybe he thought I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. Some smoking a bowl. I don't know what he's doing. You guys weren't in the draft with uh Lance, Lance. Tervis.
4: He was he did a little wake and bake before
2: his draft. Lance uh, that's, that uh, that's, that the guy, that's the
8: guy that we just went over. In fact I saw him sitting over here because yes, he's the guy the that guy showed that up right. with the ponytail? He showed up at yeah. like nine fifty nine or ten o'clock. <laughs> he just said he thought he's smoking a ball. We know for he a literally... fact that he had smoked the ball.
9: No, I didn't know that. I was thinking he had to have because he took Le'Veon Benjamin Charles.
4: He yeah, he literally smoked a ball.
9: Wow.
4: Well his draft looks like it.
9: Yeah, no, his his draft is uh hashed out.
3: Once we put it all together, we knew we had to circle back with Lance and give him a chance to fire back at Matt and Mark. We talked to these guys that were in your draft, and they thought you were high off your ass. Smart guys. Really <laughs> First of all, what do you say to that?
7: Wow. This is Team 4? Team 4? Team, team 5. Team 5? <laughs> team 4? <four? laughs> team 5. Lance.
3: Are you That's sure? Team
9: Lance, draft? you're looking at Team 5 right now. The Am team
3: I? Team I don't like team those guys. Five. So, do you think... Anyone else in the entire FFPC took two quarterbacks before round 10? Dude, the guys next to us were going
7: crazy. I, I didn't care if they took two quarterbacks, but they were like, they took two quarterbacks. And then they're like, they took two defenses. Didn't they take yeah. two defenses? He was like, idiots. These guys are idiots. They're taking three quarterbacks. And he's like, he had one quarterback. I was like, dude, I'm going to take a quarterback before. Now that you said that,
3: I'm going to take a quarterback right now. <laughs> and I did. I took Dak. What did you think about... Them taking two defenses in the 11th and 12th round. Excellent. <laughs> it's things I never do.com.
7: <laughs> things I hate and I love at the same time.com. This is like fucking dream draft. I mean, really, that's like a gift from God. Zeus. <laughs> Zeus mode.com.
3: If you couldn't tell that interview, and I use the word interview there very loosely, happened late at night. We also asked Matt and Mark to give their thoughts about our team, and they were very polite, even though it was clear they thought we were insane to wait so long to draft a running back.
9: You guys are set on receiver. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that was the goal.
9: <laughs> I guess if Foster stays healthy and Jeremy Hill finally becomes Jeremy Hill, I mean, you're, you're, you're golden on receiver. There's no question about that. We're going to be playing the waiver wire a lot at running back. Maybe, maybe not.
3: It's funny, everyone feels great about their team after the draft. I mean, of course, you picked the players. You can practically see the dollar signs. There's no way anything can go wrong. Your roster is just pure potential. And that's exactly how we felt after drafting our team. And on Sunday, we joined a bunch of other FFPC drafters in the Westgate sportsbook to sweat the week one games. Unfortunately, our team fell flat on its face right out of the gate. It was a disappointing start to the season and ended up being a precursor for what was to come. Pat and I didn't end up getting the Cinderella season we were hoping for, although we at least enjoyed a little drama at the end. This is us talking a few weeks before the fantasy playoffs.
4: We went one and one, then we went on a four game losing streak, and then we went on a four game winning streak. So five
2: and five the hard way.
3: Yep. In the last three weeks, we've scored 173, 172, and 174 points. If we were on that clip for the entire season, we'd be like a top 10 team in the entire thing, I assume.
4: Yeah, you'd have to think.
3: It ended up being such a tease to finish the season so strong, only to come up just short of making the playoffs we finished just 48.85 points shy of making the final four playoff teams and a shot at the 250,000. There are lots of things we would have done differently, and we'll discuss some of those in the next episode, but it wasn't all bad news for the teams featured in this episode, because Matt and Mark won their 12-team league in advance to the main event playoffs. Yep, The guys from Texas, who took two QBs and two defenses early and basically ignored the tight end position, made the playoffs. Late in the season, while I was on a Skype call with Pat, Matt sent me a Snapchat, yes, a Snapchat, about all the haters.
9: Yeah, and all that bullshit about people drafting tight ends so fast, I ended up picking up that CJ Uzelheimer from the Texans and Lance Kendrick's dude. CJ
4: Gooselheimer. I knew he was going to be psyched about that one. I mean, dude, technology is pretty
3: fun. Like You and me are talking about our team right now over Skype, and then we're Snapchatting with a guy we met (laughs) in Vegas while he's driving telling us about our team. Like That's pretty cool.
4: That is pretty cool.
3: So there you have it. Even though we didn't win anything, at the very least we made some new Snapchat friends who won some money. Matt has already made it clear that they're heading back next year and that Pat and I better do the same. Now, I can't promise anyone new to high stakes that they'll make Snapchat friends, but I can tell you that making the jump is less intimidating than you think. Alex Kaganovsky told us that one thing to remember is that everyone playing high stakes started at the same place.
6: Every single one of these owners, at one point or another, made the step from the local league to the money league. Everyone has done it, and that step is a lot smaller than you think.
3: Pat and I are already preparing for another Westgate Marathon in September, though I feel like we are still recovering. At the end of our trip last year, it dawned on us that we hadn't left the casino once from the time we arrived on Wednesday until our red-eye flight on Sunday evening, meaning we logged nearly 200 straight hours indoors. I don't know if that's sad or a testament to the Westgate amenities, probably a little bit of both. We ended up capping off the long weekend by watching the Sunday night game between the Pats and Cardinals and decided we needed one more taste of action before we left, so we put a $25 parlay that paid almost 9-1. to one. A last-second missed field goal by the Cardinals meant both our Patriots money line and the under hit, so Pat and I left Vegas with a couple hundred bucks of cash in our pockets and our first high-stakes draft under our belts. Next time on Fantasyland, we'll have more about our experience in the FFPC main event, specifically what it's like to co-manage a team with another owner. Oh, and also what it's like to get a draft grade from NBA legend Doug Moe.
1: Now, was your draft any good? I liked it. I don't know. People tell me it sucked. (laughs) It's it's the word on the street. You guys ain't got it.
3: This episode was sponsored by the FFPC. Pat and I had a great time with our FFPC experience this last year, and one guy we met in Vegas was FFPC veteran and Rotoviz radio co-host Jacob Rickroad. Jake, what do you think about the live drafts in Vegas?
2: Well there's nothing as
3: exciting as a live draft, let alone one in Vegas. I get excited for draft day, like it's Christmas morning, and the FFPC main event is like going to Disneyland. Any advice for people who are new to high stakes fantasy football?
2: Well, I've been playing high stakes leagues for a long time, and no one does the live event like the FFPC. Uh, I love the scoring, the 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 overall tournament. I actually finished uh, third my
3: first year, and a couple years later, I was a regular season points leader. So anybody can come in right away and compete. You will be hooked from the first go, and you will want to come back every year. That's awesome, and I completely agree. And I should also mention for listeners, even if you can't make it to Vegas for the live draft, you can still register to draft a main event team online. And the FFPC also has a variety of other leagues you can join online every day for as little as $35. The FFPC will be open for 2017 shortly with post-Super Bowl satellite drafts beginning in February. You can also check out all of the Orphan Dynasty teams available at myffpc.com. That's M-Y-F-F-P-C And that's the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. And that'll do it. Thank you for listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. Thanks to everyone at the FFPC and all the high-stakes players we talked to for this episode. Eric Balkman, Alex Kaganovsky, Ira Berman, Blake Pyle, Sandra Dusick, Sean Siegel, Mark Davidson, Austin Roberts, Lance Turbis, Mark Ray, Matt Jarrett, and Remy Rhodes. Most of the music in this episode is by Leo Kaliski. Check the show notes for links to Leo's website where you can hear more of his great work. If you'd like to read more about Pat's and my team in the FFPC main event, we chronicled the season on Rotoviz. Just search for the articles titled High Stakes Virgins and you can read all about it. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review Fantasyland on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, you can find those on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to contact us, we're always interested in feedback and we'd also love to hear any good fantasy stories you may have you can reach us via email at fantasylandpod at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Twitter, also at FantasylandPod. Our producers are Fantasy Douche, Matthew Friedman and Patrick Corain, and I'm your host, Peter Overzet.